So uh, this Thanksgiving, because it's Thanksgiving, uh, us at Get Wrecked Daily have decided to take a serious note on this this podcast to just give a reminder, you know, of the things that that people deal with, uh, you know, the experiences that people have, and and the, where people are in their in their lives, and just give a reminder of of what to be thankful for, and what you know what you can do to help others around you uh and help them be thankful as well and welcome to get wrecked daily your weekly podcast where three guys who are totally unqualified get to talk to you about everything on their minds i'm 80 and i'm juan i'm mickey and we're here to help you get wrecked I love watching those videos of Keanu uh, during the like his training sessions for oh Sunday, my gosh where he's doing right. three gun and he's actually like doing you know breaching of houses and stuff and and what have you or, or not breaching of houses breaching of rooms and like it's mm-hmm. very technical and so he went through the training to actually like that's why the the cool thing with that movie is um, that he does like he, all of that stuff that he does is actually like how you you know peak a hallway how you hold your gun you know in close quarters how all that stuff and it's because he, he went through that training and like rigorously did three gun competition and and training and all that stuff and those videos are cool as shit to watch because you see him like working with SWAT and like delta and all kinds of cool shit what are you talking yeah. what's that face for one you must have watched more videos than i did at keanu because the three gun stuff that i watched of keanu had nothing to do with any of that stuff no, I I, yeah, I watched. I watched point. some more. Yeah, I watched some more. I don't know. There was the there was the one that was super popular, but there was others in there that they were talking about it. Maybe it didn't actually show them like working through, but it talked about how they were talking about how to properly, you know, peek a hallway and how to properly breach a room. Yeah, maybe like I, the I, tech... I never saw those. Yeah. Yeah, they, it didn't. Tech... It, it didn't show him doing that. It just they. It was whoever the coordinator was was talking about it, and they had people there. Because he did, like, t- tactical reloads or whatnot, right? Yeah, so yeah. when he ejects his mag, he flips it to the side so that it ejects away from his feet because he's going to mm-hmm. walk where that area is. And they counted the rounds in the uh, John Wick series and whatnot. So mm-hmm. you actually see it reloading. And it's it's uh, probably, probably the most hardcore, like... I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of embellishment there with these movie genres you know with like the tactical reloads are that maybe they're applicable but there aren't they aren't something that are like really stressed on in terms of like practical military training like reloading is reloading you press the the mag release button and you put another magazine in there and there's there's ways that you're comfortable with it and there's ways that they teach you but like the tactical part of it aren't really things that are taught they're like there's no distinguishable different difference between pressing the mag mag release button in an actual combat situation and pressing the mag release button in a tactical reload they're they they they're as fast as each other there, there's no difference 
Well, uh, no, I get it. Like, there's not a, a time thing, but like, he was just trying to get the mag uh, away from his feet because he was about to walk there. Yeah, was... that none of that makes any difference. Like, you like if you drop split? the if you drop the mag in front of your feet, it's not going to make a difference in terms of being able to respond. There's, there's mm. nothing. Like, there's the there's a lot of like the the three gun stuff that has no applicability in real combat situations it's just like like doing this you know flipping the magazine away from you has no applic ap applicable relationship to actual combat there's no just, it means nothing what if you slip on the mag though you're not going to slip on the mag okay till you slip on the mag or you slip on a grenade, or you slip on some wood, or you slip on just fucking up because you're in a real firefight. I mean, I understand the concept of like a real firefight is fast and crazy from what I've seen from videos, but it was just like, nice. To I I have in. I've been in I've been in situations like in training where we're shooting, um, like uh, paint rounds, like they're they're rounds that are embedded into um actual casings and the like the adrenaline and the energy is all the same uh in those situations and the thing that you're not thinking of is where your magazine is going to land at your feet you're thinking of when you run out of rounds you're thinking about putting that magazine uh back or uh you know chambering that magazine as fast as you can uh and chambering a bullet you know you're not thinking about where the magazine's going to land. You don't care. That's irrelevant to you. It has nothing to do with you being in a combat situation. You're thinking, yeah, so like I can understand like cutting a corner, like uh pieing the corner, uh which is is applicable cuz you want to put you want to make sure you're that you're like you have the least amount of your body present to your uh your target. danger or your target. But like the magazine shit, that none of that makes any sense. None of it matters, and it's not gonna matter ever in the history of any sort of close quarters combat. Doesn't have any applicability. Okay, but when you uh, look at that version of cinematic uh, filmography versus a semi-automatic pistol going click when you run out instead of the action just being open and there's no click to be had. Isn't John Wick preferable to what we have in movies? To what the the slop th that we usually see? I think it's still pretty embellished because you know there's a lot of. So if you watch the last like John Wick three, there's some a little bit of mysticism that's involved there, particularly uh, when they get into the sword fighting part, mm -hmm. uh, and they're slicing through glass and stuff like it's lightsabers. Um, yeah, none of that is real, obviously. And, you know, when, like, in tactical, like, CQ, CQC uh, situations, like, it's not like this rolling around bullshit, um, that you see, it's, it's like staying behind cover mostly, and then waiting, and then getting, uh, cover fire, and then, firing or throwing grenades um or doing some kind of distraction to try to 
get your your enemy to to do something else so that you can gain uh on uh a, a, a battlefield like it's there's gotcha there's a lot so much is different in real life compared to what's going on even in john wick like i like i, I commend uh keanu Reeves for doing the um three gun stuff and that really does make his movies look really cool but in terms of applicability in combat situations like that's not what happens in training situations it's all about uh maintaining your cover uh maintaining accuracy making sure that you don't get shot and if you're out there like doing twirls and stuff in the middle of a room or a corridor or a, a fatal funnel you're gonna get your ass shot gotcha oh, so what uh do you have a cinematographic example of something that you did like as far as the realisticness level of the film i don't because they're they're all embellished like you know there's there's some movies like you know there's some situation that's it's all situational right like in some movies you know they're they're doing the thing and they're uh doing the close quarters uh breach and clears and stuff um but like, you know, when they get in those situations where they're in the middle of a room and they're doing twirls and they're f- jumping around and stuff, like none of that's real. That's not what happens. Gotcha. It never, never happens that way. Otherwise, do you have? Do you, yeah, no, I I hear you. Do you have thoughts on Black Hawk Down or any of the other older uh, military-based movies? You know, the only thing that like, you know, I I'm not. I have never been in a combat situation. I've been in, in um, training scenarios, the way that they teach you, gotcha. like like visit board search and seizures, is the school that I went to, VBSS school, uh, and they teach you all of that tactical stuff there. And there's there's more developed versions for special warfare people. Um, that's just the school that I went to, and it's all the fundamental stuff of tactical breach rooms and clearing rooms mm-hmm. um but like the the closest thing to these movies is like the brotherhood like yeah you know we're all but brothers and we all do this stuff and there's elements of those uh, attacks that make sense and then other things are not you know mm. like you just it just varies between movie to movie how accurate they actually wanted to be, you know? Yeah, no, I totally get it. I, there's a lot of, you know, bullshit representations of firearms in Hollywood. And I think they just keep stacking up, right? No matter how big the movie is, they just keep stacking up. And, uh, and, and the same thing for the guys on YouTube. Like, there's a, some Norwegian dude that freaking does front flips and shit and hits the target center mass like that's great but you're never going to use that in a real combat situation because if you do (laughs) you're going to be a big ass target because all someone's going to do is shoot you (laughs) right so what's the most important thing you think someone could take into going into a real combat situation take a breath and do not be irrational you know if you're behind cover already don't move until you can make an accurate assessment of where the enemy is and then 
try to um, push the enemy out of your line of fire uh, if you can. And if you can't, then you go the opposite direction and you do a tactical uh, retreat and you try to figure out another way around. Because, yeah. you know, 99.9% of the time, the people that are in those kind of situations are going to be military members or people that are trained to be in those situations. And if you're not, there's a good chance you're going to die because you're not trained for it. And even me, like, I've been out of the military for so long and I don't train on a daily basis and I don't think about those things on a daily basis. Um, I might, th I may think about other things like, you know, if I'm driving, I'll be looking at the road and seeing stuff that I think like triggers me because of the stuff that I've been trained on, um, in the Navy. But, uh, like I, I don't do it for a living anymore. And it's not something I think about. So yeah. even in that situation, like maybe I'll draw on it in that situation, but I may not make the right decision. And nobody is unless you've been doing it day in and day out. Totally. So what are some of the things that you feel like you could be triggered by while you're driving around on a daily situation based on your training that you don't choose to delve into? Like what things, do you come across? Things that trigger me are like stuff that's on the road. Or on the side of the road, um, mm. uh, people walking on the sidewalks trigger me. Yeah, um, bicyclists trigger me. Uh, cars that are driving slower or erratically trigger me. Um, uh, traffic lights trigger me. I pay attention to those a lot. Or um, four-way stops. Talk to me about traffic lights. Yeah, because that sounds like like what I see is is green, go, right, red, stop, and then yeah. occasionally so see somebody go through on a yellow. If, but yeah, talk about if, that. If I see a green traffic light, I'm not paying attention to the traffic light. I'm paying attention to the the uh, oncoming traffic or the, the side traffics um, on that street. You know, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't look at the light yeah. uh, because, you know, you're going to see – if you're if you're paying it, especially the the two side streets that are coming in, the intersection uh, intersecting streets, yeah, you're you're gonna see vehicles, um, and if like, you know, you're a hundred at, at least a hundred feet away, if you can see vehicles that are still moving in that period of time, you can have enough time to stop, uh, yeah. to avoid a collision. Um, so those are things that I that I pay attention to because I don't want to get into a collision. Totally, obviously. Yeah. No, that 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, are there other things other than traffic that you find you are resisting uh, reacting to based on your training that you see in everyday life? So, like, um, outside of traffic, like if I'm if I'm in a public area, um, you know. Let's just say, like, I'm at the mall, or I'm at the the like we call it the village here, where there's a bunch of shops and we have a movie theater there. Like, the majority of the time, and it's hard for me to get out of. My wife will be trying to talk to me and enjoy me, but I'm not there. I'm looking at my surroundings. I'm paying attention to people. Yeah. Um, looking at the the situation that's going on, like. Uh, people running or people talking, uh, people just chilling, 
and mm-hmm. I'm people for I'm looking for people that are being suspicious. Uh, like I hate being in public areas where there's a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, because I got to pay attention to all that stuff because I'm worried about me and my wife. <laughs> yeah. Uh, totally. and it, like even if I'm in a bar, like my head's on a swivel. I'm looking around the whole time. I'm looking at people. They might feel weird about the fact that I'm, I might be looking at them because it's something like something they did make, made me like, Whoa, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, my head's on a swivel the whole time. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can't get out of it. Like I'm stressed out. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> the whole you, time. You're looking out for what's important to you based even though you're in a quote unquote safe social situation, but you understand the underlying factors that are going on. So yeah, public places are a huge target. You know, it doesn't matter where you live, you know, just take some crazy ass dude to, you know, get a crazy ass idea to go out there and start shooting shit. Yeah. Shooting people. And, you know, I don't want to not be prepared for that. Never. Gotcha. And any veteran is going to tell you the same thing. Like they're always, like they're always in the mode when they're in public places. I don't care who you're talking to. It's yeah. Air Force, Marines, Army. Uh, maybe not Coast Guard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Space Force. <laughs> Space had to, Force. Had to get <laughs> that in not. there. Yeah. Gotcha. Space yeah. Force is the new Coast Guard. <laughs> yeah yeah that's a lot to deal with in uh quote-unquote everyday situations kind of thing yeah you know and and these movies come out and they just make everything look so glorified and easy Mm -hmm. that's really not like if you're in those situations dude your heart is pumping like even in a training situation your heart is pumping you're stressed out uh, because you have to communicate with everybody that's on your team. You have like 10 or uh, 15 people that's on your team uh, and everybody's in different positions and you got to communicate where you see a combatant. Um, and even if you get shot with paint, it hurts like a motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you're in this zone and yep. that shit is stressful. Your adrenaline's gone and everything else is playing a role. Yeah. Wow. And, like unless you're trained for it and you've experienced it, especially and most importantly, you do it consistently. Right. You're not prepared. Like even veterans like me and other veterans who've been out yeah. for years now, like if they ended up in that situation, yeah, they have the technical understanding of what to do, but they're going to be stressed out and they're mm-hmm. going to be breathing heavy. Their heart's going to be pumping, and they're they're going to be yelling. Um. And it's just rough. And yeah. I can't even imagine a civilian who's never been through that or even been in a situation where it's training uh, to go through that and try to make good decisions. It's rough. Yeah, it sounds like an incredible challenge that is almost unsurmountable for sure. It, some, some, For some people, it's not. It's, it is insurmountable, and others, it's not. You know, some people... Uh, they get into it, you know, they go through the initial phase of getting through the adrenaline rush and the cogn- cognitive uh, uh, e- 
uh, I like imbalance the cognitive mm-hmm. imbalance of that the yeah. initial phase of that, and then they're after that they understand it and they're fine. But it's right. not true. It's not true for I'd say the majority of folks anywhere. Because what you're pointing to, from what I'm getting, is that people may think they're safe, but people who've actually been in situations or have been trained for situations where security is actually examined based on your uh, very real concept of it takes one psycho with a gun to go crazy or one psycho with whatever to go crazy. They are not safe, but you're trying to balance out the reality of the situation that you know with what everyone else is unaware of. Yeah. 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 That sounds like a So uh, I'll give you a perfect example. So like okay. my experience with like a legitimate th- a legitimate threat mm-hmm. is like vanilla compared to what our Marines, our special forces, our soldiers have gone through on the ground shooting their rifles or their pistols at actual people. Yeah. I I was in the Persian Gulf and we had uh the Iranian fast attack raft and basically what a fast attack raft is a speedboat that's been uh that has welded rocket launchers on it mm-hmm. they're really crude and retarded looking and then they also have these little tiny frigates that are probably 30 feet long that have like a big ass three inch cannon on the front of it yeah um and i was in a situation where i had those little frigates they came up uh, to the boat and they were at least 500 yards away and the bridge told us to fire flares and the next thing that happens after firing flares is warning shots Over mm. the bow. Uh, and we were on the aft end of the ship so the the back end of it oh okay okay, okay. Uh, so they told us to fire flares and my buddy Matt uh, like looked at me and I was on comms, and I was on the 50 cal because we didn't have our our uh, our comms guy for whatever reason. So I had to do comms and the 50 cal. So I was the the gunner and the comms guy. And I told Matt, I was like, "Hey, Bridge just told us to fire flares." And Matt looks at me and he's like, "Oh fuck," because we know mm-hmm. the order of operation, the procedure that we have to take. And he and he's like, and he he looks at me and he pauses, and I'm like, "Fire the flare." Yeah, and he pulls yeah. that out of his pocket because he's my a gunner. Uh, and the, the and the flares that we have are like little sticks, and we pull back this little lever and we flick it basically, mm-hmm. uh, and it fires a flare. And so he fires that flare, and he and I are both sweating because we we've never been in this situation where we've had to fire the flare because the next step is warning shots, and the step after that is lighting some motherfucker up. Wow! Uh, if they don't listen. Yeah. And that, like, I'll remember that for the rest of my life because that was the most stressful situation I've ever been in. We could have caused a war or at least an international incident because we fired on Iranian frigates uh, in the Persian Gulf. Wow. Uh, And that's nothing. That's nothing compared to what Marines and soldiers and special warfare guys have to go through, like, shooting people like real people, real enemies and killing them. Right. Yeah. Uh, and like, I can't even imagine. I don't, I don't even want to imagine like what that must feel like to actually kill another human being. It's rough. 
bad. And then wow. you know, it's no wonder that I think it's like 22 veterans a day commit suicide because, you know, so many of us have had to go through that situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, or that experience of having to kill another human being. Yeah. I mean, and, I have no words. Yeah. And then all the training that goes into it is nothing. It's not even remotely close to what is, you see in movies. Like, it's not glory. It's violent. It's dark. It's scary. Uh, it can be humiliating. Um, yeah. And it is, it's not great. Nothing about it is great in terms of like war and being in the actual moments of it. It's just, you make your decisions and you either live or die based on those decisions. And hopefully you have enough experience and training to make the most correct decision. Fuck man. Yeah. I mean, that definitely sounds like a, uh, uh, lose, lose kind of situation as far as from your personal perspective. Yeah. Wow. Heavy. Well, thanks for dealing with that. <laughs> it's I mean, heavy. It's like, that's heavy fucking shit. Um, it's tough to imagine from what you're telling me, it's tough to imagine the quote unquote average person dealing with that. Because, like you're saying, with the 22 soldiers who uh, kill themselves every day, which I think is an accurate statistic, it's just mind-compromising to think about someone having to deal with that, whether they... Um, that's assuming they come back, right? Assuming they come back yeah. and then they get reassimilated into civilian life. Uh it's not a stretch of the imagination to understand that there is, like you referenced earlier, a dichotomy based on what they have experienced versus what they are put back into. And I don't even know where to begin with that, like, quote unquote, reassimilation kind of thing for a person. Re reassimilating into society after the military, depending on what you did, you know. Yeah like which branch of the military you went in and, and then what your job was, it's really tough uh, yeah. or can be. Um, and I think it's primarily the toughest for people who have been in combat situations. Um, you know, they, they rely so much on their, uh, the people around them, the brothers and sisters who are in that with them, that like that becomes their world. Yeah. And, when it when it's all over and they survive it all and they get out they don't have that anymore they don't have a brother or sister to rely on in the sense of like combat brother or sister um it's rough you know you don't like you, you go to any job and it's just this cold embrace of yep yeah, you're an employee you do your job i do my job and it's not that in the military. Uh, it's very close. Everybody understands uh, who we are together. We have bonds uh, that represent so much more than just 
what you could experience in the civilian world. Um, and sometimes, or at least a lot of times, we come out of this and we don't have that support network. Like I'm fortunate that I have AD and I have Mickey uh, um, and my wife uh, to talk to about this stuff. Because like that situation, that vanilla situation that I talked to, still yeah. like it stresses me out still to this day. Like mm, I'll, I'll be in a situation, um, and then I'll go into that zone, and I'll be like, "Oh fuck!" Yeah. And like I'll clinch up, and I'll be ready to the fight, and it it just still affects me. I get that. But I mean, I get uh, the concept. Yeah. You know the the camaraderie and the relationships that I have with Adi and Mickey here and my wife help me like keep me away like keep that stuff at bay for the most part um, but if I'm on my own and I get in that zone like I'm suspicious mm-hmm. like I'll be ready to like pull on somebody like my head's on a swivel yeah. and I just can't get out of it and my, I'll come home and my wife will be like are you okay are you mad at me and I'm, I'm just like no, no, I'm fine. And like, I got to pull myself because I'll realize where I'm at and I got to pull myself out of this, this dark place. And that, and that's just a vanilla situation right. compared to what's what other veterans and active duty mil- military members have gone through or are going through. Shit ain't easy. It's not sunshine and rainbows and glory and honor and being a hero yeah in the perspective of like what these movies make it out to be there's real suffering before and after for everybody involved i hear you man and thanks for sharing that is there something you want to get out to the civilians as we sit on our cushy cushions uh in our american way of life I I I just say you know if you if you know a veteran or you meet a veteran um, on your day in day life, just thank them for thank them for their service, but also tell them like listen, if you need anything, let me know. Yeah. And I'll try to be as helpful as I can. You know, I'll talk to you. I'll yeah. try to get you where you need to get, um, wherever that might be. You know, just, we just all veterans. Uh, who you know feel normal or seem normal or uh, or don't you know who visibly visibly look like they're suffering just be there for them because we've been through some shit we've seen stuff you know yeah you know the the strange thing is is like like when Haiti uh, had the earthquake uh, we were the Carl Vinson was the first responder to Haiti. And I saw little kids with no limbs, mm. uh, mothers, just armless, bandages, blood everywhere. Like they they'd come in with the the uh, uh, SH-53 helicopters, and there'd just be a full helicopter bay. Like like the 53s are these big helicopters that can carry like think like you know 30 or 40 people and the whole thing would just be haitians and they're all bleeding or injured and it would just smell of like blood 
and maybe rot. And it, it was just like, it was just a terrible smell that it would open up. You have to go in there and you have to help them out. And they're missing limbs. The little kids don't know what's going on and they're missing limbs. And it's just, it was insane, dude, uh, to see that kind of mass casualty situation. But at the same time, like, I felt like I was doing something that meant something. Right. And yeah. it didn't it didn't affect me as much for some reason as like facing my own death in that situation with uh Iran in the P- Persian Gulf. Uh because like I I guess I was just in a different mindset, I don't know. But, you know, facing you know staring into the abyss is a lot different than like trying to help people in in like hoping and praying that they survive. Yeah. Uh, but you know, at the same time, it's like that's still something that's burned in my memory. Like, I've seen like people come on that were already dead, um, or kids that were injured or missing limbs and stuff, and, and that stuff's rough. Like, it, and it affects people differently. Yeah. Um, and you know, nobody should ever have to go through that. But veterans, like, deserve to be treated. Um, better than they are better than they are i think and everybody needs to just chip in a little bit i hear that makes sense thanks for sharing that that's that's a look at fucking humanity and our existence here that not a lot of people get to see yeah well it's it's a I, i guess it's a secret i don't know well, thanks for digging deep, right? Because <laughs> I don't know that it should be like like I hear what you're saying, like it's a secret. I think that it's glossed over, right? I think that's part of what makes the secret the secret. Yeah, it absolutely is glossed over. Like it's all glorified. Yeah. And in reality it's scary as fuck. Yeah. You know? And <laughs> you and when you're in it, you gotta deal with it. Otherwise, you're dead. You're dead. You're dead. And then what I'm hearing from you is this larger look at humanity and our behavior that you got a gruesome, fucking deep, unique look at. And Which is at the same time vanilla compared to what other veterans have experienced. Like, I, I couldn't even talk about it. Because I don't even yeah. know. But that's my experience, and that's how it affect me. Yeah. Can you imagine? It's horrific. Having to shoot somebody Fucking in real horrific. life, cause, and they're trying to kill you. Fucking horrific. Or, your, ca- or, or your brother, your battle brother or your battle sister getting torn to shreds by bullets in front of you. Shit ain't the same, dude. It's not the same in the movies. It doesn't have the same impact. That makes sense. Like you've you you've got the you've got a glimpse, you've got the perspective. Um I think people live cushy lives, right? As far as they're living on the benefit of what people sacrificed before them 
And when you talk about like people being torn to shreds right next to you, can't even imagine that. Can't even do it. I couldn't imagine it. I've never experienced that. Yeah. But that's, I know that's what my, you know, co-patriots have experienced and Marines and, and the army. <clears throat> and it's, it has it has nothing to do with living like a cushy life. It has everything to do with respecting what veterans have done. Ooh, yeah, dig into that. Dig uh, into the respect. It has everything to do with you taking into consideration, like you know, regardless of how you feel about what your government has done, you should look at veterans and people in the armed service, armed forces. Uh, with a higher standard of respect and the fact that they've put themselves in a situation where they're willing to uh, fight for their country, you know, whatever that might mean, really is just where their government tells them to go. And those that come home and those who have died, you should look at them and be like, yeah, you've You've done something that I feel like I could never do, and I respect you for that. And I'm here for you. You know, whatever you might need. You know, it doesn't have to be financial. Maybe it's just emotional or a handshake. Or just be like, thank you for your service. I appreciate what you've done. That's all it takes. And, you know, well, like individually, veterans will go where they want in terms of, you know, seeking uh help you know by nature we don't want anybody's help gotcha yeah because you know we're stubborn but <laughs> we'll, we'll end up where we need to be and hopefully we have somebody in our lives that'll be like hey man you're fucking up you need to like you're in a dark place and i'm gonna force you to go here and hopefully we have somebody in our lives where we have that uh, if we're in that situation, but it's not always the case. That's why we have suicides every day. Clearly, there's a gap between what other people are doing to connect with the people in their lives who have made great sacrifices or they've seen what is real. And it's a problem. It's a big problem. <clears throat> You know, I think there just needs to be more voices out there to help veterans and to cheer on our military uh, in terms of support. You know, just there needs to be a louder voice than the voices that we have already. You know, like it needs to be a cacophony on mainstream media, on the internet. Like, listen. Come to come support our vets. Come help us. Because realistically, we've been through the worst shit yeah. that you can possibly imagine. Can't and imagine. There's anybody in America that needs help. It's veterans. I can't imagine anything worse. Than seeing 
what you express as a vanilla version of what you're seeing. And then fucking the, wor the worst version of what we could imagine is out there. It's a reality. It's not a concept. It's not something that is part of an ideal. It's a reality. It's a physical thing. Have, have either of you guys ever watched um, like ISIS videos of where they behead somebody? I watched part of one and then I stopped watching it because I didn't want it in my head. To be honest, that's uh, I have not. It's kind of one of those giving them the power situations. They want me to watch it, so I've chosen well, not to. <clears throat> the the feeling that you're avoiding and the feeling that you partly felt, uh, eighty, yeah, um, or Mickey respectively, uh, is the feeling that a veteran experiences firsthand. That in that dread and that emptiness and that pain uh, is what is felt in real time over and over and over again by a veteran who is out there on the front lines like in Iraq or Afghanistan. The folks that went through Fallujah, like the feeling that you avoided or that you f experienced halfway this is the shit that they experienced for months, day in and day out. And imagine how you would feel after having gone through that, uh, for better or worse, you know, for fighting for your country, feeling like it meant nothing or it meant everything. That's what it is. So, you know, if you want to feel feel what it is kind of like what a veteran has to go through uh, where, in, where they're in a combat situation, go watch one of those. And then watch it every day for nine months. Fuck. Yeah. That's what Fuck. it is. Because that's what some of them have to go through. This shit ain't good. This shit ain't right. We shouldn't have to be there, first of all. Like, I'm a, so anti-war and shit. Like, we gotta get out of there. Like, it's fucked up. The impact is more than I can imagine, obviously. And it's amazing that you're sharing this with us because it colors in this reality quote unquote that we're living in and it makes it even more real so the conflict that we're locked in perpetually as far as I could tell from a civilian perspective is just dragged out been going on i can't even imagine the atrocities of the situation and yet here, here we are it's real people are dealing with this day in day out somebody you meet in the grocery store somebody you meet at the gas station that's in their head yes yeah. it's, it's just it's mind-blowing obviously because i can't even scrape the idea that you've touched on that is a reality.
It is. And until, like, you know, we get more support from Congress in terms of, like, how everything's going on in the uh, Veterans uh, Association or the VA, yeah. um, <clears throat> it's uh, it's going to be the same. Like, you know, like, we need heavy focus on the VA, making sure that that thing runs adequately, uh, professionally, uh, and efficiently is going to be crucial to how veterans come home, you know? Yeah. And they also need friends. Yeah. You know, by and large, like veterans come home to like silos. They come back to their families and their families have never gone through any of that shit. They don't have anybody to talk to about it. And they just need more people to talk to, to open up to and like cry and uh, express yeah. the shit that they're feeling. And they just don't get that opportunity. Like I was fortunate. Like, I, I talked to my wife about it and I'll, I'll talk to you guys about it. Like I'm doing now or in the people and the listeners um, yeah. on our podcast, but you know, it's not the same, it, you know, it's not the true story for all of the veterans. And that's, and you know, I'm not, it, it's true. It's not true for a lot of people who go through suffering, you know, like you have uh, people that have gone through human trafficking, um, people that have gone through gang violence. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just need more support for people who have suffered and there just isn't. Yeah. Enough of it. There isn't enough support. I, I don't understand why like we don't focus on like people who suffer in our own country. That just makes no sense to me. Like, so we... what do you what do you think's in between people in our nation specifically, because that's easier to focus on, but what do you think is between people and connecting with people who have actually gone through the real pain and suffering that you are describing in detail? What's communication. keeping them from reaching out? Communication. Yeah. Like, you know, there's, especially in human trafficking and drugs and gang violence, there's such a stigma to that stuff. You know, nobody yep. wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to listen to it because it's so depressing because it is depressing. And, you know, and the same thing with veterans, like the stuff that veterans have gone through, um, it's depressing and it, it's not a fun conversation to have. And we just want to have fun. But, yeah. you know, we got to get down to the brass tacks of stuff and realize that, you know, there are people that have really suffered and we have to talk to them and we have to bring them out of the darkness and hold them and cry with them and listen to them. Yeah. Um, and spend the money where we can spend the money to help them recover, you know, whether it's like funding for uh, therapy or um, a psychologist or whatever it takes. Uh, it, it all needs to be there, you know. There needs and to our, be a system. And our families need to be there for us too, you know. Hmm. You know, I know it's rough. But, you know, you got to listen and you got to help and you got to be there where you can. 
you feel like a lot of people um, don't want to face the realities of the harshness of life because they are so fascinated with the concept of fun. Is that something you? No, I, I, my, I think my thing with it is, is like, you know, we're all busy doing our stuff. Sure. Our, our daily routine or our daily life. And we're all focused on, you know, what we're going to do tomorrow or today. And that's a fair argument. Uh, but society in general, and this should really be projected by the state um, to facilitate rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. And then us as individuals, if we know a veteran that's suffering or know a person who's suffering, um, and if we, you know, if they're willing to tell us, you know, why they're suffering, then we ought to be the people to go and be like, hey, talk to me. Are you okay? You know, how are things going with you? You know, do you need help with anything? Um, And try to be there if we know somebody that's suffering like that. And that's really the point of it, you know. I realize, you know, as society grows and, and we're doing our daily stuff, you know, we f- we tend to forget, you know, and we like we're so zoned, zeroed in on on what we're doing uh, and what we're trying to accomplish. We forget about what, everything else that's going on around us. And then, you know, every na- once in a while we'll read the news and hear, you know, twenty-two veterans commit suicide a day. And, you know, for a moment, we're just like, oh, that's really sad. And then we just go about our day. Or, you know, I don't I don't even know how many uh, human trafficking victim survivors commit suicide a day. Mm-hmm. And that's a personal fault because I haven't looked into it. But I bring it up because it's, it's important and I should look into it. And, you know, if I know somebody. And I should be there for that person. Just, like, just as we all are, you know, we're society. Society yeah. means that we're there for each other, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's the key, right? Connection. You know, being there for each other. All this to say, you know, the John Wick movies are great, but it's all embellishment. All the war movies that we've ever seen it's all embellishment because none of it tells the real tale. You know, you, we can get close. You know, some movies get close. Yeah, Saving Private you know, Ryan gets pretty fucking close. Sa- yeah, Saving Private Ryan's another one. The Thin yeah. Red Line gets yeah. close. But none of us are really there in that moment. We don't. Where we have there. to see that ourselves and watch somebody yeah. blow up in front of us. Yeah. No, I get it. We, we, don't, we don't live that. Oh, totally different. We don't live there. We don't think about it on a day-to-day basis. We think about whatever's in front of us. What are some things that you think society can keep in the front of their minds realistically? Because from like a civilian standpoint, right, there's all these negative, uh, well, there's all these opinions out there, right? Everybody's got fucking opinions. And people try to make political arguments out of war, obviously. And they make political arguments out of everything else. But what you're speaking to is the human experience of being in war, 
that I don't have experience with, you do. So what is it that we can actually adapt to our minds when it comes to the, the, the people that are around us, right? Like you said, like reach out. That's great, right? Like reach out to someone around you who you know. What if you're someone who's not connected, right? My, like, I think we should get more connected. We should be more, personally, I think we should be more connected. We should look at real, the, the realities of life like you are describing them. I would, I'd say that, um, you know, there's a naive perspective here where, uh, uh, the price of freedom is not free. And that's true, uh, in the context of talking about World War II. Or um, you could argue maybe 9/11 was a instance where we, you know, we had a faction of uh, an extremist organization that didn't like our way of life um, attack us because of that, or because they disagreed with our perspectives and our understanding. Uh, and but there's a deeper implication in terms of, you know, at least this service, the military service, you know, we largely get uh, pushed into situations or um, political agendas that really don't have anything to do with national security or, um, you know, the protection of our country, and it has more to do with our national interests um, than anything else. Uh, and, you know, from that perspective alone, you know, we should have compassion, you know, because there's still going to be people that serve in the military and they're still going to be forced into those situations, whether they like it or not, or in the guise of protecting America. In real reality, we're protecting national interests, you know, from you know one perspective or another, you know. And you know, when those folks come home at the end of their enlistment, or you know, maybe they survive for twenty or thirty years in the military and they make it, um, they still need somebody to be there for them. Uh, and then you know, on the flip side. People that suffer from human trafficking and drug addiction, uh, gang violence, like, you know, there's a whole other implications there for them too. You know, there's um, criminal justice reform, like serious criminal justice reform, uh, you know, taking away uh, the private, the privatization of prisons. Uh, like, why is that even a thing? Um, mandatory sentences for bullshit drug offenses and stuff like uh, you know there's there's a whole freaking host of shit that yeah. you know we ought to be thinking about as a society Real, realistically I feel like we should be thinking about it on a day to day basis um, and really understanding the data and understanding 
the uh, empathy or you know understanding human suffering and stuff and then using our vote to propel a change in society but at the end of the day like i'm kind of pessimistic about all of that yeah and I was so I was about to say something <laughs> yeah. about like keeping yeah. keeping all of that in the forefront of your mind. I don't imagine is a healthy healthy thing. No, I, and so, I'm not and I'm not saying put your head in the sand either. But you, yeah. you, your point is right that uh, of countless things, but particularly the uh, subject of like you know using your vote and thinking about these things because these are things that we don't don't typically think about, especially the three of us. You know, we're pretty you know sheltered from a lot of that Juan, you've ex- you know experienced your time in the military so you there was some that you did get subjected to but yeah it's just the societal changes i mean we have so many because it's it, as you were talking about those you know war wartime experiences and then you did alluded into it a bit with like you know human trafficking and gang violence and you know there's a lot of those you know you know, inner city Detroit, you know, inner city LA that like, you know, you hear from people that like, yeah, I was in Baghdad. This is basically the same fucking thing here in our goddamn city streets. And, you know, so it's, it's not just, it's not just in the wartime. It's people experience this in our own fucking country. And, you know, and then we sit here and bicker about, you know, who's going to be president because, we think one's a dick or we think one's a too old or whatever you fucking hate about the other candidate that you didn't vote for, you know? And there's just, it's one thing why I'm so pessimistic, as you said about the entire situation is that, you know, I'm pessimistic because I I don't see us getting out of it because, you know, while yes, I think your vote should uh, to some extent take, you know, some selfishness to it, you know, like what's going to be good for me. There's always that inherent aspect. You can't do it, but it's also about, you know, increasing our level of comfort as a society as a whole. And man, we just get away from that so much. And, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that we as a society have been bred to make sure that we are comfortable and by we, I mean, our individual selves, like it's a selfish drive, right? And it plays into our hedonism for sure, but the realities of life are out there. And we can't live, to your point, Mickey, we can't live in a constant state of uh, this, like, Everything is extreme, yeah. yeah, this, yeah, I don't think that's the route at all, Mm-mm. because that would just put us all down if we're all looking at the atrocities of life. However, there has to be a balance, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm pretty sure both of you would agree. It's like there has to be a balance to understanding the realities of life and then figuring out what our role is in our lives to try to improve the existence of everyone while we are here, right? And that's what Juan is saying about reach out to, you know, veteran, be compassionate uh, to that person, make that change in your pattern of behavior because like you said mickey we are born and bred to be comfortable in our lives and unfortunately not everything's comfortable right things are hard there there are elements of life that are hard and dealing with them in a way that is actually compassionate to our fellow human 
is just so important. Oh, it's challenging. But in, it's, oh, it's swimming upstream, man, right? It's, it's, I, it's swimming upstream because our society teaches us to just, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Juan, but it's like, okay, Veterans Day and Memorial Day, we're going to focus on this. But the bottom line, like you said, is there are people who, this is their lives. It happened. They saw it. And it takes more than just a two times a year acknowledgement of that, but it also takes examining what, like what we're doing, right? Like, like how does a human get to the point where they have to kill another human or how does a human get to where they are looking at another human next to them? That is their brother or sister being torn apart. Um, I, and we're, we're, we're just taught to, you know, shoot for the next big TV kind of thing is what I'm saying. It's I, like, I, I'm not the arbiter of, you know, society. I'm I'm just a small voice on a small podcast. But I get it. you know, if every human in America could be compassionate and empathetic to the suffering that's going on around them, we wouldn't yeah. have any suffering going on around us. Because we would all be there in that moment of need uh it's a group effort. say something yeah you know yeah. like if all i don't know how many of us are here now 400 million of us now or something close Roughly, to that close to that yeah, yeah. It's a you know less. it's, it's like if all of us if all of us could be empathetic and compassionate to suffering there wouldn't be any well there, i agree well, like we would be there in the moment. Like, well, but it, it takes a group effort. I, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not discrediting that. But my thing is, I just feel like most people are compassionate and empathetic. Don't you? I think about seventy <clears> percent <throat> of people are. Yeah, I think. I think honest. they. I think if you'd ask them, they would be like, "Yeah," but if you, if you put them in a situation that they didn't know how to handle they would try to ignore it. So there's, there is some education there, right? It's, it's the classic. If you found a wallet full of somebody else's money with all of their ID in it, would you return it? Right. Yeah. And we know some people wouldn't. Oh, yeah. And it's not like we can target those people and be like, kill those people, like something extreme like that. But it's looking at what makes that person think that if they can be not compassionate to another person, who clearly forgot their wallet in this very low key example. Like what, the, what, what makes that, what breeds that? What, I in think this, it, what in them makes them not be compassionate to that other person in that moment? I think it largely many reasons. Yeah, th there are Absolutely. many reasons, but I think Absolutely. the primary allegiance that people have are with their immediate family. Well, it's self-preservation. And I, yeah, it. I'm not disagreeing with that. It's it is self-preservation, but it's you know, it, if you if argument. either of you walked down the street and you saw, uh, you know, a homeless dude, um, with a sign at a a stoplight saying, "I need some money," what's the first thing you think of? Oh, that person's probably just faking it because we've we've read so many stories of well, people like I'm that not the best person to ask that question i've i've read stories of people who have faked it just to make money 
And there are some people who do that. But at the end of the day, there are still people on the side of the street asking for money for legit reasons. In our first um, world country. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Right. And, I, and-, and I've experienced, like, personally, I have given money to somebody who's asked for it on the street with a sign and felt uh uh betrayed because then i saw them freaking get into a nice car after they made their quota for the day and i'm like what the fuck was that yeah and yeah it's not great it's not a great feeling so there's like there's community effort like as a society and there's government effort and i think those two things combined like I feel like the community can come together pretty good, honestly. But as far as the government's perspective is concerned, I feel like they do a shit job of it. Well, uh, well, gotcha. uh, yeah, I definitely, I'm never not going to say that the government does a shit job, which, I mean, I guess from the outside, it's easy to do that. But so, as I said, I'm not the best person to ask about the person holding a sign on the side of the road because, um, Eddie, I don't think you have one. You've spent a decent amount of time at my office. You've been there a couple times. You've seen on my office when I'm actually attending uh, and not in, you know, work from home mode due to COVID is right next to our city's largest um, homeless shelter. And so our parking lot is full constantly, especially during the summer, full of homeless people. And it's not that I see them as a scourge or anything. In most instances, I don't. And I'll explain why there's some instances I do. But, like, we've had, like, I remember there was one guy there that would always come up to you and give you a story about, um, you know, oh, well, I, I live in Idaho City, and my buddy ke- drove me down here, and we were doing stuff, but then he had to leave, and so I need a ticket for a bus ride back up to Idaho City, and I'm like, five bucks shorts, could you float me? And, you know, most people in our office, you know, did up until a point where people started talking and telling the story, because eventually what happened because um i i didn't have him ask me until after the story had spread but this dude went up to a guy and asked him and my and the guy i worked with gave him five bucks and then like two weeks later they came the same guy came up to him gave him the exact same story and then like we saw this guy later on and he was just like in our parking lot chugging a 40 and so that's where anytime you get five bucks, he was doing it. And it's just kind of like, it is you're saying everyone needs that compassion and that, um, uh, empathy the pro- that has to go both ways. And that's part of the problem where like those people don't, because, you know, from my perspective, that is my hard earned money. I have no problem sharing it with someone who's in need. I have a problem with someone taking advantage of me of it. And, you know, like you said, you know, some people see people like that and immediately assume they're taking advantage of them. And unfortunately, I, I have to say that I, I, I'm probably in that boat now because of what I've seen right in front of my eyes for years, seeing people do that type of stuff. Now, there are some people that are good and that are just struggling by. And, you know, I could always tell the difference because those people were in like a 30-year-old car that was beat to shit and they were living in it right by there. Or, or, they, may, or they maybe have been going in, but they were there and they were at their car until they had to go into the homeless shelter. You could see the ones that were trying. You could see the ones that were just having a rough go of it. But they're also typically the ones that hang back a bit more. They're not the ones on the on the corner with the street sign most of the time. 
they're the ones that you don't see a lot until the end of the day because they were working or they were doing something. And the reason, as I, as I said a little bit ago, where um, I sometimes do see them as a scourge is there is one of those, you know, those green electrical boxes that like the city has, they're like the big ones. Sometimes they're like five, they're about five feet tall, you know, and they vary in size. Well, yeah. we, we have one at the back of our parking lot and we call it the toilet and it doesn't take a stretch of an imagination to figure out why. <laughs> and so constantly we would see people back there doing that. And then not only that, I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone just I don't know what they took, but out of their mind in our parking lot. I'm talking like screaming, attacking people, you know, just clearly being lost, you know. I mean, shit, in my parking lot, I've been propositioned to because the gal wanted a shower. She said she would fuck me if I would take her back to my house and give her a shower. And, like, there's many reasons that I had to say no because I don't know this lady. I don't know who she is. I would have loved to help her. I did what I always said, and I said, hey, there's the homeless shelter right around the corner. I will walk you there if you want me to. But they know where it is. And it's just, it, it's like I, like, I don't know if that's desperation or if that is just, hey, I want a shower and maybe this guy will, like, give me one and all I've got to do is suck his dick or something. But... It's it's given me such a unique look on the homeless population that because I'm 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 exposed to it very heavily and not in a way that I'm like working with them. So I, I don't have a great view, but I have one that's like how different do those people act once they step into that homeless shelter? So homeless shelters have extremely strict rules and a lot of time they're faith based organizations. And so there's like there's bag checks, there's no drugs, no alcohol, you know. Like, nothing. I'm assuming they allow in nicotine, but I wouldn't even be surprised if some of them have restrictions on that, you know? And there's so many stuff like that that it's just like... And with homeless people, I know they're they're hyper-protective of their stuff. And so a lot of people who are homeless don't go to those shelters because they're like, oh, I'm exposed because we're so tight. If someone steals something from my bag or steals my bag, there's no way to fucking tell who did because there's 80 people in there or 100 people or how many ever people, depending on the size of the homeless shelter. And so it's, they've just, uh, it's such a tough situation because on that, I want to be empathetic. I want to be compassionate to them, but I have seen so many times more often than not, unfortunately, them not reciprocating that. And that is, and that I think is part of the bigger problem in in this particular area is there's no emotion, there's no empathy, emotional, you know, connection, no anything like that on their side and it's it's just them trying to take advantage of people because of whatever maybe they got into drugs maybe they got into a bad situation and now they're just thinking oh i got fucked so i'm just gonna fuck everybody else or maybe it's just someone who got into a bad situation is now homeless and is doing the best that they can trying to get back on their feet the problem is it's just man you get so much of that like overlap of stuff that what i got down to be doing is i don't I don't give money anymore. I'll give food or I'll give like, you know, goods like toiletries or some shit. Like I got to the point of doing that. And and even then, like I kind of got more into doing it to the actual shelter 
rather than on the street because it's like I know there's that resource there and sometimes people don't want to go for whatever reason and I'm like hey if you've got a reason you know that maybe it's because of paranoia like I said they they don't want their stuff getting stolen or bag checks or whatever you know but I I've all I felt as I got to know the that system more that I was just like I feel like if you're not going to a shelter it's for a reason and it's not a good one. So I totally get you, Mickey. Uh, and here's my take on it. I've um, which is unique to my experience, but I've been asked for money from people from Portland, San Diego, San Francisco, Seattle, mm-hmm. San Jose, New York, um, mm-hmm. the whole shebang, right? Las Vegas, yeah, and. And I gave money to some of them. And there's a guy, you know, in Missoula and he just wanted beer. I gave him beer. And what I see it as is like a human asking me for something, but I have no control over what that human does with their lives. Right. Here in Boise, to your point, like the Boise Rescue Mission is very religious based. And so I asked the person, because I had money. I was a college student. I was at a theater. I was watching a movie. And he was just asking me in the parking lot if I, you know, had five bucks. I'm like, yeah, I have five bucks. And but I asked him. I was like, well, you know, why don't you go to the Boise Rescue Mission? I'm still going to give him the money, but mm-hmm. I was curious. And he said, well, because they require me to align myself with a faith-based system that I don't agree with. And I was like, they do oh, that. See, I didn't that know your... they did that. According to this guy. Oh, right? Okay. And oh, yeah, uh, I guess that's fair. It, it, it may be true, but I didn't right, do it. Yeah. But, I, but his answer to me gave me enough to be like, yeah, of course I'm going to give you some money based on what he said because he thought about it, right? And it was like, I get being down on your luck. I get not having mm-hmm. warmth. I get not having food. Uh, and I don't think that should be something that exists the way it does in our nation because we're a first world nation. Right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're heavy with wealth, right? Yeah. So the food, water, shelter situation should be solved, but it's not. Uh, in other nations, it's absolutely not, apparently. So, But eventually, I, I didn't give money to people who asked for it, but I did go to the store, and I, I got them a bag of food, canned food, stuff that wouldn't perish kind of thing. But I've talked to people in like Bellingham, Washington, who have been on that same street corner, for three or four years in my course of work and they were there the whole time but i still i gave them food because that what i decided is that i can only control what i do yeah and i wanted to contribute and i absolutely didn't regret giving them anything even though i changed it to food instead of money same but it's yeah it's it's kind of like i don't think that anyone who has an issue or has a life pattern addiction that is killing them potentially deserves to be judged by me because I think their life situation judges them enough kind of thing. Right. But I am very, very confused by the fact that anyone on the planet, and this is going global and this is going very idealistic, but it's my strong feeling i don't understand why anyone on the planet today doesn't have access to clean water right it's like we're talking basics we're talking right we we, we purge yeah. past that we're, we're talking about going from calling somebody on a phone where we're like operator connect me to such and such long street please 
to cell phones, right? Where I can pull up anybody anywhere in the world and talk to them. Uh-huh. And I feel like we've emphasized so much of technology, which has so many great potentials, i.e. the connection to anyone in the world. But the basics seem to have been totally ignored. Like, I hate that. And I, I put money towards that, where it's like, let's get people what they need and then look at the underlying issues. So when you come to like drugs being an addiction or anything else being an addiction as a sickness, I'm like, yeah, let's look into that. Like, let's move on. Right. Like it's not the wild West anymore where it's like, Oh, I have one bucket of water and I'm going to use it for my family. I'm like, shit, fuck here in the U S I have wealth beyond wealth. Yeah. Even though I I've been in this situation where I'm like, Oh, where am I going to get warm or where am I going to get food? It's just baffling to me that we are still at that point. And I hope, and I'm, I, I just hope that we will push beyond that as a society uh, because it just seems so basic to me. So that's where I'm at. Thank you for joining us for this special of Get Wrecked Daily podcast. And remember to hold the ones that are close to you very close and reach out when you can because that is ultimately what we are here for at Get Wrecked Daily Podcast. Thank you.